Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I'm catching up with Roan, who's uh, been on the podcast twice already, like uh, once me interviewing him and once he interviewed me. But uh, yeah, he's back for the third time. Um, reason being is because he's just got a new exhibition that's open called Empire. And it's uh, different to any other exhibition I've ever seen in my life. So um, just wanted to find out more about it, really, and uh, yeah, let you guys know about it because it's really worth checking out. How you going, Roan? Yeah, good, Tom. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, you too, mate. So, for those that don't know anything about Empire, can you um, can you explain a bit about the exhibition? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely you know I could have done an exhibition in a uh, white wall gallery and hung some canvases, but instead, what I've you know an opportunity has presented itself where um, I have this space which is a nineteen thirties Art Deco, Art Modern style mansion that's situated in the forest in the the hills of the Dandenong Ranges outside of Melbourne. And so what I've done is create an installation inside the space and um, made that the exhibition that people can now walk through. Mm. So like the vibe I got from from being there was it, it's almost like a um, an opulent setting that you know it's been abandoned like people have just up and left they haven't like you know you know got the removal of scene and cleaned up the place it's just sort of like it was fully furnished and people have simply just walked away from it. Yeah, that, that's yeah. I wanted to create like you know um, almost creating like a story with the the objects that are left behind. Um, yourself and you know a lot of our friends have uh, been into places that have been abandoned and you kind of you start to put together a story from what was there like if it's totally cleaned out it's like oh maybe they're about to develop this but sometimes you walk in there and like oh maybe someone's squatting here or how come there's still a bed and like you start to see a story of what might have happened there in the space and I thought that's quite an interesting thing and when almost everything's left um, that says something as well. Like that's, um, you know, so why would someone walk away from all this? And that's the kind of story I was trying to tell. Mm. Yeah. It's like, a, like, you know, just you saying that it made me think back to remember the old power station on Lonsdale street. Yeah. And, um, I remember going in there and you, you go into the, um, the, the control rooms and it has all the, you know, the crazy you know, art deco style, like, uh, control room features like all the buttons and knobs on the switchboards yeah. but they had all the paperwork still in there and they, even the filing cabinets were filled with papers and uh even there were like even pen holders with pens in them on people's desks and and yeah. typewriters and everything it was like literally like you know an alarm had gone off you know with, you know nuclear attack or whatever everyone get up from your desk and walk away and that that's how it was left but everything was covered in dust and it was a similar vibe going into uh into empire yeah yeah, like you're just saying that it's like uh, it's an experience that we've had, but not many other people have probably had. And there's something really cool about that um, that quietness of you know, there's something that's been left there for decades and hasn't been moved again. Like there's there's a story there. It's like 
uh, it's this weird kind of sadness of even just like you know one spoon on a on a dining table that sat there for ten years is like that's kind of interesting because like usually that object moves around you know twenty times a day and now it's just like stat- static in that one spot and gathering dust <clears throat> and just like um, just to see something frozen in time. Mm. Mm. So how like how did it all come about like um, the idea and even the location and everything? Um, it was off the back of uh, the previous project called the Amiga project in a little two-bedroom house in Elkington that was due to be demolished. And I did a similar thing where we it was totally empty and we furnished it and we had a you know, huge response from people. And one of the people who came through was um, Shannon Bennett, who been I'd been talking to for a couple of years with commissions and bits and pieces. And he offhandedly mentioned that he had a place up in the hills um, that, you know, they were, they're looking to develop into a hotel, but it's sitting there empty at the moment. And maybe I'd want to come up and paint a wall or something one day. Um, so I, you know, I took up his offer. It took me six months to get up there, but um, I finally went and saw it and I was like, this place is incredible. Um, can I have it? <laughs> can I have all of it? Um, and kind of went from there, but it was, at first it was a little bit disappointing from like the outside when you first see it. Um, you, like I had this kind of, like uh, opulent vision of how it looked inside, but once I got inside, it was totally stripped bare. Like there wasn't a single piece of furniture that was original. Anything that was there was like um, site office kind of furniture. Like it was, it looked like a, you know, construction site renovation was about to happen and all the guys got kicked off the site at lunchtime. Like there were still copies of like 1993 Herald Suns and, um, temporary construction wiring and just like bad old HP printers from the nineties. And it was just, you know, that, um, all the romantic stuff was gone from it. But it still had that abandoned vibe, like we were talking about, but it was just the wrong era. (laughs) Yeah, it was, it was, I was like, it's still kind of cool. And you could see it was, um, the beautiful shapes of the ceilings and the rooms and like, it was just missing the soul. Hmm. Hmm. So, like, with a lot of the, the furniture, like, you bought in all the furniture, I take it? Yeah, so that's basically where we started because um, we couldn't actually touch anything for quite a long time because I had to get an exemption from Heritage. So, we had to get Heritage consultants in before I could touch anything. But So, the first thing we did was start sourcing all the furniture and I think the first things I bought was um, chandeliers. I think I bought seven chandeliers at a an auction in West Footscray of a reception center um, and about 200 meters of velvet curtains. And um, that was, you know, it was a significant day because that was um, the the day that um, a baby was due to be born. <laughs> and uh, he was running late. So we're like, let's go to this auction. And uh, he, he arrived two weeks later. But, um, yeah, we kind of committed before he even got here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but that uh, so it was a big day all around, you know, because you were, you know, new new beginnings with a baby, and also it marked the first pieces for this show being uh being purchased. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was um, 
a very kind of nervous time. It's like we've got no idea what our lives are going to look like after the baby gets here, and we've got no idea if we can even make this project happen. Um, so it was just one of those kind of like, well, we're going to start doing something. Yeah. Because that's the thing, you, you sort of disappear for a while and then you come back, but you come back really big and strong, like every time. And it's I'm, like the last year I've been thinking, gee, where's, where's Roan gone? Like, what's, I know, I know you, 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 know, you had, had a baby and everything, but I, I thought surely you're doing something on the side. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you come out with this. But um, like how long did it take you to, to create the exhibition? Yeah, well, it's pretty much been like uh, <laughs> a baby's about to turn one in um, two weeks <laughs> so yeah it's been a year um, a lot of it was in the you know planning stages of everything from working out color schemes to what each room would be to uh, logistics of just you know moving furniture um, or trying to source things or you know concepts like if we could pull them off or not and what that would take and who to talk to to help out to make it happen and um because we did so many things we had no idea if we could even do it um so yeah just getting other collaborators on board as well like once it started and we kind of realized how great it could be and then it's like you know it'd be really good some music like a soundscape or something like that and then we got um, Nick Batterham, who does, you know, he does scores for um, TV and movies. And once he came into the space and um, saw what I was trying to do, he just, he put so much work into it and what he's created for it is, um, yeah, I think that's kind of one of the biggest leaps forward of like how it makes this go from an exhibition to an experience. Hmm. Yeah, it really is an experience. Like, like, you know, you said you said there was a lot of planning, but was there any like was there any of it done on the fly as well? Like, you know, as you know, when working for a year over something, I'm sure you put a lot of thought into it, but and it evolved over time. Is that the way it happened? Um, yeah, definitely. It's you, know, you respond to things as they let's say fall apart, or that's not going to work, or we can't do this for this reason. Um, I had a lot of plans we didn't pull off because of. Um, time or budget or logistics um but we still you know got so much you know great things done and it was just a matter of focusing on the things we can do rather than the things we can't yeah so you mentioned you got uh nick vanahan in to do the the music but like yeah. there's so many other um components to this uh this exhibition as well such as like virtual reality like interior yeah. design building you know and also your paintings of course yeah um like what? What are all the elements like? Because that's just what I I saw and took in. But I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. Well, there's um the organic sculpture stuff, which um you know some people might see their work and call them a florist, but uh, when you see some of the installations they're done, it's kind of it's, it's well beyond that. And that's the the team from Loose Leaf, Charlie and Wona. Um, and they've actually got a show opening uh, tomorrow night at Backwoods Gallery. Um, which is kind of interesting, like as someone who's come from a you know floral background, kind of really stepping into the arts field, and what they did for the exhibition looks um, incredible. So that's just one part, and then Carly Spooner, who worked with me on the Omega project, 
I pretty much called up Carly as soon as this project started or, you know, as soon as I, I looked at the house and said, I think I'm going to ruin the rest of your year, but <laughs> you're hopefully going to like it. Um, and she put so much time and effort into researching and sourcing all the furniture and like there's literally hundreds and hundreds of pieces of you know furnishings that have gone into this space um and yeah they all had to be picked up and collected and found from you know ebay gumtree and thrift stores um and then there was even it was like it literally started as an email where someone went to my previous project and said to me like Oh, it would have been cool if you included some scent design stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that was cool. It was just the email I, I kept on file, and I I went back and found it, and it's this lady, Kat Snowden, who's actually based in Perth but from Melbourne. And she came back over, and, um, you know, as soon as I showed her the project, she wanted to be involved, and she's actually developed four different scents for the, the space. So as you go around, there's, like, slightly different um yeah and they're all based on um the seasons cool. uh, yeah and then yeah it, it's one of those things like uh well <laughs> it just doesn't stop like and then it goes into the the vr which so i've captured everything with a vr camera and that's been put into an already existing film and then working with these guys who do ar who scan the entire building in 3d and then you can kind of overlay that and see that live, um, like through a, a tablet where everything kind of slowly disappears back to the original state. Wow. Yeah. I so didn't, I didn't make it into the, um, virtual reality room. Was, the line was too long. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the other thing we have to work out like processes of like, um, having enough VR headsets and recharging them and having, staff in there and um so we've got a whole uh you know event manager who's helping out there as well so there's like so many jobs um that aren't even you know physically making the installation that are all coming together to make all this happen as well yeah and not to mention all your all your paintings as well like um you know we haven't even touched on that the fact that you've um yeah you've painted murals throughout the whole throughout the whole mansion yeah, yeah. So I painted, you know, each room um, with a portrait of uh, Lily Sullivan. Um, so she came out to the building. We photographed her there for the reference images. But that was like one of the things where it's like, all right, this I know I can do. I can take a photo of someone and paint it on a wall like that. That I've got down. You know, that's something I've done before. Um, but everything else that kind of goes on as part of the installation was uh, a lot more of a, a risk or a challenge and it was kind of a big kind of step into the unknown. Yeah. No, well, mate, you pulled it off. <laughs> so being that you've um, got so many people involved in this and even staff, like I noticed that there was, when I went to see the family, for the family and friends day, there was so many staff there as well. Yes. Like, um, how are you funding all of this? Um, yeah, that, that's one of my big issues at the moment. It's, uh, it's all self-funded, um, to a point. And I just gotten funding from, uh, Visit Victoria and, uh, the 
the Dandenong Rangers Tourism Board there. They've um, come on board, but a lot of that funding actually doesn't go towards operational costs. It goes towards marketing and promotion of the event. Um, so the staffing, I am pretty much just covering all that cost with the ticket costs. Um, it was kind of strange. Like, this is very early days in this. Is like, oh, there's no way I wanted to do a ticketed event. Like, nothing I've ever done. Anyone I know has been a ticketed event. So I was not into it. But um, I had a meeting with someone and said, this, you, you have to do it just for um, – traffic management and something I didn't really think of and you know most of like my exhibitions have been fairly popular and the last one in Elfington was like 7,000 people through a tiny two-bedroom house um, in a week so if something like that happened up in the hills where the roads are quite tight and it's a huge fire risk up there and if there isn't enough car parks and people are kind of you know parking on the side of the road and it can cause issues and if there is a disaster it's like it's something that not that i'd be totally liable but it would just get shut down because um of complaints to the local council and to have a project like this shut down and kind of just destroy it um so it's something where we we had to go all right so we'll do it ticketed and that means the ticketing can pay for the staffing and it was like you know, just logistically, once you see the space, you need so many staff to just help people navigate around. And, um, yeah, there's so much stuff there you just need to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, definitely. And, like, being that it's, um, you know, it, it looks like it would have been such an expensive exhibition to put on. Um, like, do, do you approach shows like this in the sense that, you know, you, you invest so much into it, but you know that, um, you know, it's it's like a big advertisement for you for you and your services and and then um through doing through going in so big the money yeah. comes back to you through uh, other people wanting you know to buy buy some of that yeah like you know i'm not stupidly just blowing all my money um because i can um like i've looked at it like if my last exhibition i sold x amount of work um and I could probably do that again if I'm lucky. Um, and I don't have a gallery taking 50%. So what if I took, you know, 50% of that and put it into my next show? Um, and that's kind of what I've done. But I've probably spent more like 100% time, <laughs> even more. Um, so, yeah, this one was like I've blown my own formula um, but I also hope the, the response, you know, is a lot better than usual. Um, but you know, it's, it's been a funny thing. Like I've grown as an artist in popularity and sales and stuff like that. But, um, I've been looking back on it and like, I literally haven't made more money on each of my shows. I've just spent more money. Um, so each show costs me more and I don't end up really making more, but, what does happen is the the work I get in between those shows is, you know, usually of a higher standard um, and that can help me fund the next project. Yeah. So it's been like an evolution for you through um, doing these projects. Like is the, th the third one 
it that I can think of that you you know where you found an abandoned space and you've in, you know you've take, just taken over the space and installed your own exhibition in there. Yeah. Um, do you think like that's what you're going to continue to do, and you're sort of done with traditional like white wall galleries? Yeah, I think I'd really struggle to just you know like go to a white wall gallery. Like, not much they could offer me at the moment. Um, you know, there's uh, you know, of course, there's some amazing galleries out there, but it's hard to get my work. You know, I, I feel that, you know, I'm trying to offer more of an experience than just a flat 2D painting anymore. Um, I think that's becoming part of my artwork. Um, yeah, so I'm kind of running into trouble there. Like that's, that's uh, there's a double-edged sword with that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you if you know if you were offered the uh, opportunity, you'd have to really take over the space, and it, you'd need a lot of space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and have ownership. But I could imagine you turning a white wall gallery into something you've made with Empire, you know. But you'd just take a lot of work and a lot of people, and yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> more more than just hanging some paintings on the wall. True, true. You know, yeah. Yeah, anything's possible. It's uh, it's time and money. Um, you know, I can have the vision of it, but it's like, what? what's the reality of it? It's like, it's almost easier to just go do the project in a, an existing space that looks amazing. Mm, definitely. Yeah, because the original features of that building are beautiful. All the Art Deco um, features, you know, the ceilings, the staircases, you know, yeah, everything. I think part of the project was to, you know, not hide any of that, just to exaggerate it in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Like there were a few features on there I wanted to ask you about. Like you know, throughout the the building, there's a wallpaper. Did you design that wallpaper yourself, or was yeah. that already in there? Yeah, we. Um, I spoke to you know. I tried to find a wallpaper, but it turns out wallpaper is really expensive. And if you can get any damaged stock, which I was looking for, it's only in like you know short runs and bits and pieces. And it would have been like, I don't know. 15 grand worth of wallpaper that I needed. So I worked out that we could just print it through Danger Fork who do screen printing and they've never printed wallpaper before, but I uh, just found out that we could just print it on, um, you know, brown wrapping paper. And it's like, well, it doesn't, I, w I want it to be crinkly and not last and um, kind of look a bit kind of old and disheveled. And uh, it doesn't even matter if they get the print perfectly registered because the way it's going to be covered in texture and stuff like that, no one's going to really notice. So it kind of gave us the opportunity to say, oh, we can make the wallpaper look exactly how we want. Um, that was pretty cool to have that to um, that amount of control. Yeah, that's awesome. And that, um, the one, yeah, one thing I wanted to ask you about as well was the, um, the library, the, um, the yeah. flooded room. Like how did that all come about? Um, the room was like, it already had a, an existing leak, um, so the ceiling was quite destroyed and um, falling in, and so there's some large bits of plaster you'd seen had fallen over the years, and we were like, could be a bit sketchy to have people inside this room because, you know, a big sheet, another sheet could just fall off and hit someone on the head, so we weren't even sure if we could open it, but we realised that you could actually view the room from outside on the balcony, and I'd had the concept even in previous projects that um, 
you know, it'd be cool to flood a room or something. Um, but anywhere I've looked at doing it, it's just logistically impossible. But we worked out a way how to do it here. And um, it's even though it was on the second story, the, the whole building's concrete and we could just build a, build a tank. Um, but to be honest, the, the flooding, the flooding was hard, but, uh, it was probably harder finding all those books <laughs> to line the walls. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the other, uh, elements of the, uh, the exhibition that we haven't discussed as well is that down the end of the long corridor, you've, um, you've got an art gallery as well, where you're selling, um, you know, photographic prints and also, um, paintings. Yeah. Um, was that always your intention to have, um, to have uh, an, like something that people can walk away with? Um, it was it was the way I was going to fund the show. So um, I couldn't do that exactly at um, the Amiga show. Like I, I actually hung the, a few of the photographs up at the bowling club across the road. You know, they kindly let us use their space for that, but it wasn't exactly a, an exhibition space. Um, but... In this building, because it was so large, there was a um, a giant kind of big conference room, you know, uh, an 80s-style ballroom down the very far end that we cleaned out and we've turned into a gallery. And we're like, this would be the perfect place to show the finished uh, photographs. Um, and that's kind of given me the opportunity to, because you, know, you see the work differently in the photographs as well. There's quite a few rooms out translate totally different once they're through the lens um and you know i wanted to capture everything like you know documentation is become so important to what i'm doing because nothing actually can last um and i think that's one of the things that's always been important to like street art and graffiti as well because you know, that's like it may not be there tomorrow, and I think it's also one of the things that makes street art and graffiti exciting. That it's like, you know, you have to go see it now if you want to see it, or you've got to take a photo of it if you ever want to see it again. Um, and so it's a little bit of that mentality as well, like why I'm documenting everything. But and to me, it feels like that's the only way that someone can own a piece of the artwork in a sense. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And with uh, like you know, in the last few shows you've been um, you know, documenting with photography and um, you know, selling prints. Like, how did you get into doing that? And like, your your photography seems to be at a real high level. Like, have you done any training or anything like that? Um, no, but I've you know, I did do you know, I learned how to use a camera at university, but that was you know almost twenty years ago now. God, I'm old. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I know kind of how to use a camera fairly well. And what I did was, you know, I speak to a lot of friends who are professional photographers. I went out and hired the best equipment I could get my hands on. And also the biggest thing is um, the lighting. So for those photographs, I got in um, an entire entire lighting crew who work on film and TV to do all the lighting and the difference that makes in the photographs is like they almost have this cinema quality to them um, and, you know, a really good camera and I spent a long time on the composition of getting everything exactly as we want it in frame. Um, 
yeah, so we spent a long time on the photographs just to get them absolutely perfect. Um, but yeah, it's almost like creating a painting in the sense that you can just keep adjusting it after the fact um, until you're 100% happy. And it's quite amazing to be there and just like add an extra light to make something else pop off or bring in like a, a black sheet to kind of darken areas and you know you're just tweaking things within the space or you know move the camera slightly so this lines up with that and yeah it was quite quite a it's quite an interesting process wow another team of people you had you know (laughs) yeah that's just yeah one more team yeah how many people do you think you've had help out with this show like just roughly i don't know i know there was eight electricians at one point jeez and that's something you don't even see because we've hidden all the wiring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, yeah, there's, it's dozens. Jeez. Yeah. That's a, that's a massive expense just in wages, isn't it? Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah I've, I've pretty much cleaned out my account. Yeah. <laughs> to make no, it happen. Don't yeah. mate. It, it always comes back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like um, my analogy with money is it's like um, grass, you know, every now and then it turns brown, but it always rains again and then the grass goes green, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. But um, but yeah, man, I tip my hat to you because, um, you know, I don't know, I don't really know anyone who would um, take on a project like that other than you and um, and you really nailed it. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, definitely been a, a scary one, but um, yeah, there, there's definitely been times like this is, this is stupid. This is too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the, the few people who did get to see it were just like their response is kind of like, you know, super encouraging. And that's been a weird thing as well. Just like being totally off Instagram, not telling anyone about it and not having any, you know, live feedback on it, anything. Um, and just like trying to convince myself, no, 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 this, this is good. Yeah. People will like this. Yeah. That's, I know that's what I was thinking. It's like, Oh, like, has, has Roan taken a year off or something like that? Because it's like you didn't hear or see anything of you and like didn't even see you around Melbourne because you were down, down in the Dandenongs the whole time. And then suddenly like, you know, a few months ago, you pop up with some photos over in, uh, I don't know, where you, Hong Kong or something like that? Yeah, yeah, did a job in Hong Kong. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then suddenly this is like, then I got an invite to the, uh, the preview of uh, Empire and it's like, ah, this is what you've been up to. Yeah. <laughs> So, if anyone wants to go check out uh, Empire, can you um, can you tell them the details of it? Yeah, um, it's open from March sixth through to April twenty second, and you have to grab a ticket from um, my website or Eventbrite. Just uh, do a search for Roan Empire, um, and yeah, the tickets are selling fast, so you better be getting quick. And it's located in Sherbrooke, which is uh, in the Yarra Ranges, about 45 minutes out of Melbourne City. Yeah. And how much are tickets? Uh, tickets are $15. Oh, well worth it. Thanks. All right. Well, I know I've, uh, I've had you on the podcast twice, but I've never um, had a chance to ask you the rapid-fire questions. So um, I'm going to run, run through them with you and see, see what your answers are. So, um, Roan, are you ready? Yes. All right. Uh, name one artist who you think deserves more shine. Um, Kit Bennett. Yep, that's a good yep. one. 
I like I like those um those paintings on the ground he's been doing on the basketball courts yeah. and stuff. I think he should be uh you know blowing up internationally. He's incredible. Ah, good stuff. Um, what's one medium you'd love to work with? You've worked um, with a few already. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe film. Film. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. In what way have you have you thought about it or? No. No, I just thought, you know, like I'm doing photography, it could probably translate a little bit into, you know, video or film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's one skill you wish you had? Oh, um, maybe grammar and accounting. <laughs> <laughs> Outsource it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it's been. <laughs> yeah. Um, who, who's your uh, favorite artist? Um. I probably like one of the most influential, you know, things I saw was probably uh, Blue, BLU, the uh, Italian artist. When I saw his work in Berlin, it kind of like changed my whole mindset about being able to do things at a large scale. Yeah, yeah, he's amazing. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give your younger self? Um. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a that's a hard one. Uh, keep painting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you seem to be doing that anyway. That's what yeah. I think. It's a tough one for you because you seem yeah. to be, you know, you think it and make it happen. So, you uh, know. Yeah. yeah, it'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, another tough one for you. What's what's your uh, dream project? Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, uh, Maybe a castle, something like that, you know, something on top of a mountain. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be, be cool to do a project there. Well, you're halfway there. You've got a mansion in the forest, which is in the yeah. mountains. Yeah, they kind of, uh, you know, yeah, it's definitely halfway there. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean, like one of those like medieval ones out in Eastern <laughs> Europe or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, where are you wanting to take your art career? Um, I guess that's hard. Like, I think... You know, I'm trying to aim to get my work more in uh, institutional settings. I think that's kind of my goal, but also at the same time, something that's still very ex- accessible to the public, you know, so it's this kind of more experience-based than wall-based. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And um, any future plans or projects? Um, yeah, I'm going to take some time off, maybe go on a holiday after all this. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a, not a working holiday either. A holiday <laughs> holiday. Uh, yeah, I'm always working. It doesn't yeah. matter where I am. It's, uh, you know, if, if you're seeing something that inspires you, I, I feel that you, you're working in some sense. Exactly. Well, when, you know, when you're in, uh, our industry, it's like every day's work in a way when you, um, you know, you're looking at inspiration and creativity yeah, never not working exactly um and where's the best place for people to see your work online uh possibly my instagram or my website it's probably easiest to just do a google search for roan r-o-n-e yeah and you've got like an underscore in between each letter on you yeah it's the butt to type in so it's easier just to google it i even sometimes i just google it myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, well, thanks for taking the time to um, sit down and have a chat. I know you're a busy man at the moment. 
No worries, Tom. Great to talk to you. Yeah, and um, and anyone who uh, who's in in Melbourne, I highly recommend going to check out Empire. Uh, make your way up to to Sherbrooke. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Great. Thanks, Great. Tom. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to the website benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode.